everyone. Um, as you might have just noticed, it is unfortunately just me today. Um, Maddie is out living her best life visiting Italy while she is studying in the UK. And honestly, don't fault her for that. I would do the same. Um, but that just leaves me this week. And uh, I do have a really fun little uh, paranormal story. A bit of history, a bit of paranormal. It should be really fun. I'm very excited about it. So without further ado, let's get right into it. I'm Sonia, and welcome to Grimm. story about the House of Bins. Um, it shouldn't take too long. Unfortunately, I didn't have that much time to research this week, so this is just a little history lesson plus some paranormal um, scatterings in there for you. Um, but the House of Bins is actually located in West Lothian, Scotland, and sometimes it is actually just known as the Bins, not exactly the House of Bins, because it does refer to the estate that the manor is situated on. Apparently, in Gaelic, the word for hills is bens, B-E-N-S, and I guess the name for the house is kind of derived from this because it is situated between two hills. So um, the actual name is literally the house of two hills. I think that's where, where it kind of came from. Um, so it's, it's, just, it's on just about 200 acres between these two hills, and the views are meant to be incredible. I think you can see like the highlands to the north and the pentlands to the south. It's really just meant to be a great location. And the house is also said to contain a collection of porcelain, furniture, and portraits which trace the kind of lives of the families that lived here for many, many years and kind of talks about their interests and, and what happened to them. And um, I just really love that. I think there's just so much history there about people and it just seems really incredible. Um, so there is a very major um, paranormal event that happened here that a lot of people talk about. But before I get into that, I think I just want to talk a bit about the history of the place. Um, so apparently the area was likely inhabited since prehistoric times. Um, I think the hill was used as a fort for like the Pictish people, um, a Pictish fort. Um, I actually didn't know. I really am not a history person, so kind of researching for these podcasts makes me learn a bit more about everything that happened here, but the Picts were a group of people who lived in what is now known as Northern and Eastern Scotland during the early Middle Ages, um, and I think they used the side of the hill as a fort. It must have been a really good area for that between two hills with great views of the surrounding um, countryside. But what we know for sure is that the earliest written records of the land were in 1335, and it was of a land of the Binnis, B-Y-N-N-I-S. And in 1478, there was the earliest record of a house being there, a manor house, um, that was located on the land and owned by a man called Archibald Meldrum. And he was the son of James Meldrum, who, of the Binnis. And... It kind of changed hands a bit before kind of like settling into the family who stayed there for most of history. Um, but in 1599, it was sold for, um, to James Lord Lindsay, who sold it to Sir William Livingston of Kilsyth. And then finally, in 1612, the estate was purchased 
by a man called Thomas Deal. That's D-A-L-Y-E-L-L, but the pronunciation little um, like note that I saw was that the, the name is pronounced Deal. Um, so Thomas Deal was a very wealthy, very well-connected um, Edinburgh businessman. He was a butter merchant who made his fortune importing butter from Orkney to Leith, and I guess it sold as axle fuel, so it was very important and very necessary, and all the people wanted it. Um, so, of course, that made him quite rich, but then there was a little bit more history there um, before he bought the house. Um, apparently, he married the daughter of Edward Lord Kinless in 1601, and then the Scots kings James VII ascended to the English throne, so made Kinless the master of the rules, and then um, Deal was promoted to the senior position of like a deputy, so he made lots of money during that and was able to return to Scotland, a very wealthy man. And then he bought the land that we now know as the House of Bins. And his family have lived there ever since. Um, well, actually, until 2017, when the last mem- member of the family passed away, leaving just his widow behind. Um, that's a tan deal. Um, so... Like I said, he just bought this house, he's making his home there, and between um, 1621 and 1630, Thomas Deal rebuilt the original house that was there standing from before the manor house on the dated back to the 1400s, um, and he rebuilt the original house, built parts of the interior, and I guess a lot of that rebuilding still reflects that period of time. Um, I guess in particular the northwest part of the entrance and the decoration of the rooms known as the High Hall and the King's Room still reflect the styles from the mid-1600s. The rooms are apparently some of the earliest examples of cornices and moldings in the entirety of Scotland. Um, Thomas Deal had a son, um, the Royal Sir General Tam Deal, who inherited the house and continued developing it. He added the first towers, the Western Range. Um, They did very, very many renovations on after that, and the house does reflect these renovations from the 18th century, the 19th century. Um, In the 1940s, Robert Deal added a dining room, a morning room, or sorry, the 1740s, Robert Deal added this dining room and morning room, and around 1810, Um, an architect called William Byrne kind of adapted the building to more of a Scottish baronial style and added more towers and like battlements and stuff like that Um, and I guess it had kind of a gothic exterior that was inspired by Walter Scott who was a family friend of the deals Um, today what you can see is a three-story mansion almost with a like north facade two-story wings It looks beautiful. I'll post a picture on our Instagram. Um, Later on from then in 1944, the house, the land, its contents, um, and a sizable endowment for the upkeep was given to the National Trust for Scotland by Eleanor Deal. And I guess she stated that the quote-unquote history, legend, and memory of the family of Deal of the Bins shall be preserved for the benefit and enjoyment of the nation. I don't blame her. It's a very, very nice house. Um, the family did actually keep the right to live in the house so it's just kind of like a historical um, 
element, but they still live there, which I would be very surprised if they didn't want to. I don't know how anyone could give up a house like that. Um, yeah. So as I mentioned, Tam Deal lived in the house until his death in 2017, and um, he left behind a widow, Kathleen, who is the National Trust representative for the house in the bins and is very, very involved in the maintenance. Um, so don't blame her if I was if I was in charge of that house I'd want to keep it in as best of a condition as it possibly can um, so aside from just being a beautiful beautiful building a very lovely example of of architecture um, the main reason people talk about the house uh, or its historic claim to fame as some might say is when General Tam Deal a, a military general and the commander for Charles I and Charles II lived there. So he was a military commander during the Civil War, and he was taken prisoner by the parliamentarians at the Battle of Worcester, and was imprisoned in the Tower of London. But he was really good at escaping things, I guess, because he ended up escaping and traveling to Russia, where he fought the Tsar there. Um, I, I don't know why he did that. I wish I had a little bit more context of history, but good on him. He earned he earned a nickname of Bloody Tam, returned to Scotland at the restoration of the king, and then that kind of secured his reputation. He was very feared because of this violent suppression of the Covenanters from the 1660s onwards. Um, in 1678, he became the commander-in-chief in Scotland, and then in 1681, he started this new regiment at the Bins and became the first colonel. The regiment was called the Royal Regiment of Scots Dragoons and was later named the Royal Scots Greys in 1877. Apparently it also has a very long history, unfortunately I didn't have time to get into that as much as I'd like to, um, just because I've been a little bit busy unfortunately, but what I can tell you is that a lot of the artifacts belonging to General Deal, including his very famous boots, and I'll talk a bit about those in a second, are still located at the bins. Um, and a lot of these stories are connected with these like really far out claims that he has um, been involved in. Um, the story goes that in the house, in the house of Bins, uh, the general played cards with the devil. Today, in the entrance of Lee Hall, you can see a table the very table that he has supposedly played these card games. Um, the story goes that the devil usually beat him, um, which is understandable because he's the devil. But one night, Tam won, and the devil was furious, because who beats the devil at a game of cards? And so the devil threw a marble towards him, but it missed and landed in the pond outside. 200 years later, there was a drought, and the pond dried up. And indeed, a marble was found at the bottom of the pond. The cards, the goblets, the spoons, supposedly everything that was used in the game, are now dis uh, displayed in the house. Um, the general is said to have told the devil, who threatened to blow down his house and its walls, quote, I will build me a turret in every corner to pin down my walls. And honestly, 
that's just bravery, but I would really expect that from a man who was caught prisoner, escaped, went to Russia, killed the Tsar, came back to Scotland, made his fame. Um, he was a very badass man, apparently. I can't say anything about good or bad, but according to the stories, definitely, definitely badass. Um, I don't, could not imagine if I met the devil in real life, if I would just talk to him like that. But anyway, the, the thing here is that the house is still said to be haunted by Sir Thomas Deal's Bloody Tam's ghost. Um, I think the most known story is about his cavalry boots, because uh, it is said that after his death, one of his sons took his father's boots to his own house in Fife, and then immediately returned them, because his family was kept awake every night by these heavy footsteps of the boots marching through the house. Um, today, the sound of the boots walking on their own can apparently be heard echoing through the House of Bins. And not only that, the ghost of General Deal is reported around the estate riding his white horse. Um, this is a fun little story, I think. Um, I really love the the ones from, from the past about these old manners. Um, I just think they're a lot easier to, to hear. They seem like just like a little, a little legend or superstition. Um, but yeah, I really hope you enjoyed that. That's all I have for you in terms of the haunting. Um, what I do want to leave you with is I, I read an article apparently in 2013, archeologists discovered this prehistoric burial site on the grounds. Um, according to Daniel Rhodes, an archeologist, Quote, the burial was found when we were walking the estate inspecting the condition of other archaeology sites. We noticed fragments of bone eroding from a slope just to the right of the driveway. After we'd spotted the bone eroding from a small hill, we excavated the site and found a complete Iron Age burial containing parts of two skeletons. End quote. Um, further investigations into the gravesite reveal that the bodies were of two men buried around 2,000 years ago, about 100 years apart. And the men were aged mid-20s, between 40 to 60s. They were believed to have been relatives because they both had the same congenital leg deformity. Um, I guess they described them as walking with, like, interned feet or, like, knock-kneed, um, one of the skeletons was wearing a brooch that had survived since being buried and is one of four artifacts from that time in Scotland. Um, Daniel Rose went on to say that, quote, this time scale, the deformities, it all adds a macabre element for the bystander, end quote, because apparently there were lines that were scored across the younger skeleton's teeth that may have been intentionally done when the man was alive. Um, I don't know what that has to do with the hauntings here, but I think what we've, what we've usually discussed is that a gravesite is never very good, um, especially when something like that might have happened, and it kind of leaves you wondering, you know, like, why, why lines scored across a man's teeth? Um, did they die of natural causes? What happened there if there were only two skeletons about a hundred years apart? Honestly, I have more questions than answers, um, but I hope you do too, and I hope you do some research into it if you'd like to. Hope you visit the house and the estate if you can, um, and yeah, that's just about all I have for you this week. Um, 
next week I think we'll uh we'll try to convince Maddie to do creepypasta for us just because unfortunately I am a bit busy with exams and papers due the stress of the end of the semester so bear with me during that time but I promise I'll get back to doing some actual research soon um I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will see you all next week